Hey everybody, before we get into this episode, I thought I would let you know that we have got a brand new podcast running at the moment and that is called Health Tech Pigeon. It's been running a few weeks and it brings you the top health tech news stories and analysis every single week. So I've got a newsletter that goes out every Sunday. It's called Health Tech Pigeon. And what we've done is we've turned that into a panel show. So you've got me, you've got Henry, you've got Jeski, you've got the rest of the Somex team on there. And what we're doing is we're breaking down some of the health tech news of the week, giving you lots of lovely insights and having a bit of fun while we do it. We also have guests join us. We've got clinicians, we've got investors, we've got entrepreneurs, all sorts of people from across the health tech space. And I thoroughly recommend you give that a listen. If you want to be a guest on that podcast, you can head over to an episode, head to the show notes. You can find the application in there. And if you don't already, subscribe to that newsletter at healthtechpigeon.com. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. Here we talk about everything healthcare and technology, and I'm your host, James Somaru. Hey everybody, this week we are throwing back again, and this time it's to episode 257, and that is with Dr. Tyler Chantor. He is from Holland and Barrett, and he's the Director of New Wellness Partnerships and Propositions. So for those of you that didn't know that Holland and Barrett were in the health tech space... I don't actually blame you. They haven't really been in it for that long, but they have been growing a health tech practice and you can hear all about what they're up to and what Tyler Chan is up to over there back in that full episode. So that's back to 257. But today we've got a clip from that episode to tell you about. And the first part of that clip is about leadership. Specifically, it's about the emotional intelligence that Tyler Chan learned as a doctor and how he applies that to business to connect with people, to understand them, how he leads a team. And the next part is very practical information about how to start a company. And, you know, not the setting it up on company's house and getting a bank account, all of that stuff, obviously very important stuff to learn. But this is more about how you amass the knowledge required. And some people will say you get started by learning on the job, but others would say really go deep and learn a topic. And well, Tyler Chan, he's in that second camp. He's been the founder of MedicSpot. He's worked at large corporates. He's worked all across the health tech space. So in part, he learned on the job that way. But before that, he did a master's. And he said he learned a great deal on that master's, which actually set him up and gave him the confidence to go ahead and start his own company as well as other things. And so in part, this clip is going to be about the value of higher education in preparing you to be a founder. And I'm sure there's plenty of you listening that want that for yourselves at some stage. But I want to go back to that word I just used, and that's confidence. Now, I think what is fascinating about people that start companies is this moment where all of a sudden you, well, some people anyway, all of a sudden find themselves with the confidence to do all of this stuff. So what gives you that belief that you can just go and start this thing called a company and set up that bank account and win clients and get revenue and pay people? Well, Tyler Chan talks about that. And he talks about, as I say, learning what he did on the MSC, learning about being a CEO previously for a charity and that sort of thing. But he also talks about his concept about being unhappy. And I think that's a really interesting element here that sometimes when you're in a situation and what you're thinking of going to is going to be really hard and really difficult, it looks like it's going to be incredibly painful or risky. I think when you're in that situation, you also analyze the position that you're in. 
And I've been in this position a few times in my careers, plural, where I've thought I'm in this situation, you know, take clinical medicine or certain jobs at a certain point, And you think, well, I don't like where I'm at. And there comes a point where, and Tala Chan actually says this, that you become so unhappy where you are that whatever you're going into, no matter how risky it is, no matter how averse to that situation you might be, it does just look better than staying where you are. I really, really relate to that. And really interesting thing about this, I thought there's so much in here that's incredibly useful, so much in here that's incredibly practical. So have a listen to this. I hope you enjoy it. I'll see you on the other side. Becoming a leader, for me, there's two parts. You, you can have a great vision and idea, but you need to take people along that vision. And it's that second bit that requires really that emotional intelligence and work so you get that genuine buy-in you're able to get these authentic relationships with people and and you're not just kind of it's not you're shifting away from a kind of transactional type relationship and when i was a junior doctor i really felt that because you're early on you're in these highly emotionally charged environments you're supporting people that are unwell but also junior colleagues and you're not really prepared for that like you have sometimes medical students or colleagues or even senior colleagues in tears or the parents are in tears or as a junior doctor you're in tears and you have to there's a lot of camaraderie in those early days and for me that boded really well uh, for my future career because i learned from then on really how to engage with people how to be emotionally intelligent and i think i credit that to my junior doctor years i i hear you i hear you man like honestly i i feel totally the same it was you're absolutely right it's such a tough time to have well it's, it's similar to kind of, i suppose you know when people start management consultancy or even as a junior doctor whatever it is like learning how much actual work you can do in a day by just being flooded with it just having so much on your plate to then get through and then you learn ways of dealing with that volume of stuff sort of the same for a volume of eq related stuff as you've described there which is really interesting just a volume of problems to solve with eq and i was speaking to one of my friends recently actually about this he's he's a an anesthetic registrar he's interviewing for consultant jobs now and eq is something that he has learned he's he's learned a lot of eq or he's, he's put himself through that to do that stuff because it's not something that came as naturally to him and so in order to deal with that volume and complexity and all, all that kind of thing and problems that you can solve with EQ. It seemingly is something that is, is gifted to us, at least the ability to learn that and solve problems with EQ, which benefits us across business, as you'll now know as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And for me, I mean, it's fundamental to, to what I do now in partnerships and propositions, yeah. like being able to relate and connect to people and really understand their perspective and at the same time lead a team. I often just, it reminds me of like, you know, when you're a junior doctor and you've got to go up to the radiologist and ask for a, a scan and justify the scan. And then you've got to deal with the junior doctors and the registrar and all of these different facets of EQ, yeah. I suppose. Um, so, so that was, was great. But then it, it led me onto my like next stage, which I think this was like a really busy time in my life. It was 2015 to 2020. These five years was where it was very, very like exceptionally busy. So I, this is when I decided, actually, I want to shift. So I took a, 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 an out-of-program uh, year out of my GP training t- 
to do a full-time degree and I thought okay I wanted it to be quite immersive experience and I just got married that year so I thought it'd be great my wife was training in London so I thought actually we'll move down um, and it'd be a great kind of immersive experience so in the in these five years and then I can go unpack it in a bit more detail but I I essentially uh, moved to London finished my uh, GP training became a co-founder in a health tech company a telehealth company and we, we uh, we got that from concept to uh, a series A funding. We raised a million in, in 14 months. Grew wow. Up to 50 locations. Uh, and, and yeah, that was super busy. Moving on to like a clinical director at Dr. Care Radio, which is a larger telehealth company. And then a chief commercial officer for a, uh, a fast growing kind of digital health hospital, which is also series A back, uh, has, has achieved series A funding based in Germany. And alongside these five years, I did, I did the master's. Um, all my GP exams, and I did an MBA, and so it was exceptionally, exceptionally busy, uh, and I, I learned a lot. But uh, yeah, there was a lot in those five years I could talk about. Why do an MA in policy? Why do an MBA? I mean, talk me through those things. What there, there'll be a lot of people listening that are looking to forge a career in health tech and maybe start their own company. You know, you've done it all, and you've seen it all, and you've landed where obviously you feel best and most comfortable. But obviously, those those two things well you tell me i mean do they do they increase yeah. your optionality that they give you more choice do they give you more inbound of people wanting you for different things what what why make the decision and then what did you find when you did yeah. those two things yeah i've always i've always had a strong sense of like kind of following my intuition and and be really, you know i try to simplify the approach to things in my mind i thought look i i need to understand i want to have a bigger impact on healthcare and i'm relatively early in my career right now so I want to deep dive into how does this actually all work. And then when I thought about that, I thought it's less about public health. It's an element of public health, but it's actually health economics, financing healthcare, and how do all these things come together? And so that was the thinking behind it. And I was really keen to think to myself, look, if I'm going to if I'm gonna do this, I'm often like kind of all or nothing type person. So I thought if, I, if I'm, otherwise I'm not motivated to do it. So I thought if I'm going to do it, it has to feel like it's going to be very, very immersive. There's a high sunk cost to motivate me to really see it through. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, I take the year off. There's a big opportunity cost, particularly when you've done like an MBA, sorry, an, an MBBS and a BSc, and you've been a student for so long. And this was a big sunk cost. You had to pay for the tuition fees, which is quite expensive, not earned for the year, the first year of marriage. But the thinking was, I wanted to understand. And for me, the London, so my master's was, the London School of Economics and the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. And it really hit that sweet spot. So all of my public health training was at the London School of Hygiene. And LSE was just probably the best teaching I've had in my life was there in, in, with respect to health economics and financing healthcare. And you really got to understand uh, at, at an academic level the, the building blocks of this and how it translates to healthcare. So I didn't really think too much about how this will end up in a career, but I knew that it felt right. It felt like actually this taking this step now will bode well for some kind of career in the future in this area. But I didn't know what that was. And then consequently, as I went through those, that journey, I, I kind of realized it was the consumer wellness side of things and proactive care and tech that I was interested in. But so to answer that bit of the question, that was the thinking. And then that led me to essentially go on and, and, and help to create this telehealth company, which in turn 
continued in that vein of kind of aiming or targeting people where there was a convergence of tech, proactive healthcare, and that's where the MBA had, had come into it. But um, I could talk more about that, or we could talk about my experience in the M MSc. Uh, I've got a tendency to blab on James, so you tell me when to stop. No, 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 not at all. Not at all, man. No, it's, it's, it's all good info. And I think the question for me is around what gives you the confidence to start your own company? Is it in part the learning that you did on the MBA, the MA, the, being a doctor? Like, is, is, is it in part that that gives you the confidence? I mean, how, how do you... How do you all of a sudden decide I can build a tech company as a clinician? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that, that was exceptionally difficult. And I, if I explain that a little bit more, so when I, I finished the MSc in health policy planning financing, you, you meet all of these people doing all of these great, wonderful things from working at the WHO to setting up enterprises. And, hmm. and then I had to go back to GP training and that was exceptionally difficult for a number of reasons, but also I, I had to, we, I wasn't able to get a transfer, so I went back up to Yorkshire for that year. Uh, so my wife was still in London. I powered through that year, and then I, I also served as a visiting lecturer just to numb the pain. I thought, actually, I just may as well, if I'm, if I'm here, I may as well double down and really get the most out of it. <laughs> and I knew in that last year, <laughs> I knew that last year, that actually, this is not for me. I, I really want to have a bigger impact. And so when I moved back to London, this this is when I, I had I moved back to London in 2016. I had to find a job. I went on a, con a conference, a medic footprints, to really transition my career. I was I was I was firm in that resolve now. I wanted to to do something. And this is where I met the uh, the current CEO of uh, MedicSpot. And that was the, the that's where I became a co-founder. There's a tiny little advert at the end of this conference. Uh, where they were looking for a medical director or chief medical officer. And it was then I knew I kind of wanted to move away because after all of these years of training, I just spent a month locoming in London and my salary had probably increased by sixfold. I'd earned a huge amount in that first year, probably more than I've earned to date. It just so happened like I had a really good mm. job and it was a great part of London. And like I landed a, a great GP job in Notting Hill, great area excellent salary i was exceptionally unhappy um after that first month so i went to the medic footprints conference i met uh current ceo of uh of uh, uh medic spot and it was myself i became a co-founder and another chap called nick ivory another clinician and the confidence there for me was i knew i felt quite young in my career I was like, look i'm only 31 i feel exceptionally unhappy already i can't see this happening for another 68 years and if I, until I'm 68, sorry. And I thought, if I continue down this pathway, it's, this is not going to be good. But there's a lot of anxiety. Like, I'm giving up a huge career. I'm, I, I, I'm giving up a huge opportunity cost. And that's where it became challenging. And usually when you set up a business, the vesting period is four years. So it's quite long. And that commitment for me was quite difficult. I was thinking, I'm not going to earn anything for four years. Um, it's going to be a great and fantastic and immersive experience but there's a high opportunity cost. And I was lucky. So I worked, I was quite transparent about where I was in that journey. So I wanted to be committed, but actually I was able to get all of my equity vested less of it, but, but more quickly after the first year or as soon as we raised some money. So after 14 months, we were able to raise a million pounds. We 
essentially grew the business from just a concept to over 50 locations. We hired a whole team of people. I served as the chief medical officer. We were the only health tech company at the time to, with a CQC without a single bit of negative feedback. There's about 20 of us at the time. And that was a really proud achievement for, for us guys at Medexport. Um, and then once we got that first million, I exited and I assumed a very senior role at uh, Dr. Care Anywhere. So I was the youngest clinical director at Dr. Care Anywhere, managing over 100 doctors and four other clinical managers, and essentially pivoted to working on new ventures. So the conviction part was I was very unhappy, is the short answer. Uh, but what helped me secure that, I think, was my experience in the MSC. When I did the MSC, I also served as a chief executive officer of a charity at the same time. So I think it was, I had demonstrated that, that kind of the grit, the determination to, to do a lot. And I think I didn't realize at the time, but that dot connected forwards to me being able to secure uh, being a co-founder at Medexport. And then that accelerated it further to me, for me joining uh, a very large telehealth provider, Dr. Care Anywhere, mm. at a, where I was really working uh, closely with the CEO and, and a number of big ventures with AXA, Boots, um, uh, Superdrug. And it really opened up my eyes. So there you go. Some awesome advice from Tyler Chan there. Now, just one thing I want to pick up on here with that sort of MA, MBA question, whether or not you should do it. I think what Tyler Chan answers here is something that can give a lot of advice to people that have asked about careers and sort of stuff to me on LinkedIn and all these different places. Whether or not you do an MA or an MBA really has to be based on a concept following your interest first and foremost and that's what he did at its core he was just very interested in what he was going to learn he vaguely had a plan that it might be useful but actually he just wanted to learn the back end of healthcare and actually that is what gave him not only the ability to go and learn that but actually the confidence to go into the next thing or whatever that may be it wasn't necessarily part of his master plan and I think as a philosophy, that's something that people can really benefit from here. I think it's very difficult at this point in time to have a 10-year plan for anything. Breaking into health tech, you can have a plan for every couple of years maybe or you know how long you're going to spend in the current company or trying out what you're currently doing. But I don't think any of us know that anything we're doing right now will even last beyond the next couple of years with the rate that technology is changing. And so I really like this element of following your interest and following your nose. It's something that I think I did when I was a junior doctor, when I was looking at finance and shadowing people in finance and trying to shadow the chief exec and that sort of stuff. I didn't get any points for that stuff on my application. It's not advancing my career, but I was genuinely interested in it. And I think because I was genuinely interested in it, I spent way more time on it because I was enjoying that learning. And Following your energy is something that someone also said on one of these episodes a long time ago to me, which I've taken as well, in that you'll know from when you've got loads of stuff on your to-do list, you'll be drawn to one thing and that gives you a really good indication of the things that you like doing. And there's always those things at the bottom of the to-do list that you never, ever get to. Those are actually the things that you hate, despite what you might think you dislike or hate. Those are the things you actually don't like doing because they remain at the bottom of the to-do list, whereas the things that fly off the top are the things that you like and those are the things that you're genuinely interested in. So I, I do think it's great advice to follow your interest. It means you have a lot of energy for it. And if those things that you're interested in, you can follow down a work path and monetize. I think that's a really, really great thing to do, which is what Tyler Chan did here. 
And the last sort of comforting words for people listening that don't feel like they've got a plan or not sure what they're going to do now or next or in 10 years. I'm known for things now that didn't even exist 10 years ago. So health tech broadly, podcasts, a comms agency specifically, Valtech. None of these things even existed 10 years ago. So the thought that I would even be doing these things now is just ludicrous. I still don't know what my plan is. I still don't know what I'm doing. I'm following my nose. I'm following my interests. We'll see what happens. Um, so do not be disheartened if you don't have a plan. If you fancy doing an MBA because you're interested in, go for it. If you don't, you want to go and start a company and bootstrap something, great. If you want to go and try and raise money, great. I think uh, follow your interests, follow your energy, find what you're drawn to and go to that. I think it's a really good piece of advice. I think it's a really awesome framework. If anybody is interested in any of the stuff that I'm up to, you know where to find me. Send me a DM on LinkedIn. I'll do my absolute best to get back to you. Hope you enjoyed this throwback. Quite like it with a bit of analysis. I think that's quite nice. Um, So we'll do a few more of these. But anyway, we'll be back next week and we have some brand new guests for the next few of these episodes. I promise. Thanks a lot. Hey everyone, thanks for listening and making it all the way to the end of this episode. Remember to subscribe, rate us and leave a review. And you can head to the description of this episode to follow me on all of my social media so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content.